Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmLife.com. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure you can do this homeschool thing. If you're a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do. Or if you are a homeschool mama unsure that the way you're showing up in your homeschool isn't the way you want to be showing up in your homeschool, then this is the podcast for you. I'm here to encourage you in your homeschool journey to help you strategize ways to turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. So welcome, homeschool mama. Today, I get to introduce you to Shayla Peterson. Shayla is the owner of Control Shift Balance Mental Wellness and co-creator of the TheraFriend Network. She wears several hats, wife, mom, therapist, consultant, and coach. She's learned to not let overthinking get in the way and prioritize herself despite her many roles. Over the years as a therapist, she's assisted women in reducing their overthinking, developed strategies to address overwhelm, and conquer their anxiety. She enjoys sharing practical solutions to life stressors to help balance personal and professional life. In our busy lives, we can lose sight of our strengths, but with the use of practical solutions, you can create the balanced life you desire to have. I'm so pleased to share with you Shayla Peterson. Welcome, Shayla. Thank you for being here because it is such a pleasure to officially meet you. I see that we overlap in how we connect with women and what our focus is for women. And though I'm in the homeschool realm specifically, I love your resources online. You've got such amazing resources and it's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Teresa. So thank you for reaching out and allowing us to have this, you know, much needed conversation (laughs) about the women um, who we serve. So I'm excited. So tell me a little bit about your background, Um, specifically because I am essentially engaging homeschool moms. And I know you're not a homeschool mom, but you are a mom and you have your own experience as a parent in the you know, in the last year and a half, especially it's been pretty intense, but overall as a parent, there's a whole bunch of challenges that we come across. And I'd love to hear what your story is as a parent. Yeah. So I'm going to be so transparent. Um, if I could, uh, it was really tough moving when we went to the lockdown, right. Um, to social distancing and the schools were closed. I still remember that day, like yesterday. And I think we all, you know, do, um, but it was such a big adjustment. It was that first week we were just so excited, right. Of like, Oh, well, I get to spend some time with my kids disappointed about what was going on and kind of confused. But, um, once it went to like week two and three and four, um, it became really stressful for me. And I'm someone who I kind of think that I handle stress pretty well, but it became very stressful to kind of juggling work, right? Working from home. And then also, you know, parenting during that, those hours as well, and making sure that my daughter was still on track um, and then helping other women to make sure that they were okay to keep their kids on track. So it was definitely um, a huge adjustment 
adjustment. And one of the things I do contribute to kind of making it through is having my own clinician to talk to, my own therapist, um, and also reaching out to social supports, which I put a lot of focus on as well as we talk about, you know, our different types of um, self-care is focusing on our social self-care. And I think those things were key because we were able to share our experiences and find some common ground and support each other during that time. Yeah, I mean, putting feet to what you're already doing for women, that has been my experience this last couple of years. And I already knew that these are um, skills or strategies or tools that I've been using in my real life, and I gained them from my real life. And then all of a sudden, it went into a whole different different experience, I guess, that really challenged, is this really going to work? Are these tools really going to work? So you've had that experience too, where you had to actually put feet to the ground and use the things that you've been sharing with other women. Yes, it was, it was really eye-opening for me because I'm like, oh wait, I'm really in the seat. <laughs> yeah. And so even during that time, and if you don't mind me sharing, I had came up with an acronym because I was like, I need something that I can like tune into when I'm having those tough days because there was those days of just like, oh my goodness. And my husband was at home some days, but then he was at work. He's in the military. So that was really challenging. But I came up with an acronym called BRACE. And so with that, the first thing was like breathe. <laughs> which is to be like just why we were just trying to figure it out because it was new for you know some of the women that I was working with and for myself so first thing was just to breathe and yeah. then it was the R which is just being realistic about the goals that we're setting for ourselves you know just as if when we were children and we wanted to please our parents we still want to do a good job by our children as well <laughs> And so, but we had to create some realistic goals about what this is going to look like, what the structure in our home is going to be now, you know, getting them up at this time, putting them in front of the computer, still setting those standards of, okay, you still have to get dressed, no pajamas, okay? (laughs) So figuring those things out. So creating some realistic goals for the whole house Mm -hmm. um, to keep things in check, right? And then there was the A, and that is acceptance we had to really accept that this was our new normal. And one of the things that I share with a lot of my clients is that just because we accept something doesn't mean that we necessarily agree. We always feel like, oh, I don't really fully agree with it. We still have to accept that it was our normal. This is what it's going to be. We're going to have to parent. We're going to have to rely on some resources. We may have to call on our neighbors. You know, our spouses might have to kick it up a notch if they're on the little spoiled side, (laughs) any of those things. And so we had to come to a place of acceptance. And then that C is stand for the compassion that we were really kind of working at full capacity, right? Um, One of the things that I share is like checking in with yourself daily and giving yourself a number from like one to 10. And so we always want to keep it as low as possible. And so we were already operating at a high number. We were waking up with eight. (laughs) And so we had just given ourselves some compassion of like, you're human. If you need to stay in the bed just a little bit longer, an extra five minutes. If you want to binge watch some TV just a little bit, you know, giving yourself that grace to do that. And then, of course, for the E, the expectation, right? Just having just positive expectations. I'm not saying good vibes only, you know, it's not always, you know, roses and smell good, but just having that expectation of positivity that can help you kind of push through the day. And those are like things that I share with myself daily and things that I share with other moms. So hopefully whoever's listening will be able to kind of benefit from that too, you know, that acronym. That is beautiful. 
I love that. Um, over the last, I don't know, is it year and a half? I'm losing track. I want to say year and I'm like, wait, no, it's a year and a half. Because <laughs> I think they said two weeks, three weeks, it was all going to be locked down. We're going to all go back to normal or something. Yeah. So way back then, even as a homeschool parent, it became a very different experience for me. It was, you know, it wasn't like coming home, bringing all the kids home, bringing your work home and then having to create that lifestyle. It was more me realizing we can't go anywhere. We can't do extracurriculars. We, um, you know, all the challenges that we had inside our family, all the things that were difficult before, all of a sudden it was so much more saturated. It was so much more challenging for everybody. And, but even for us as homeschool parents, we're maybe used to being at home with our kids, but it changed radically. And over this, probably only over the last six months, have I started to actually, as you said, accept that this is the new normal because mm-hmm. even I, despite being married to a doctor and, and being exposed to the hospital and healthcare in our town, the healthcare issues, I still am like, I don't want this to be the new normal. I don't want this to be normal. And recently it feels like things are getting ramped up again and uh, not feels like they are. They're getting more intense again. And there's uh, as kids go back to school or as kids, even as homeschooled kids, they're still um, going into extracurriculars and all sorts of activities. There's an anticipation of what's going to happen in the next few months. There's another level of anxiety that people are experiencing. And that's something that you address uh, practical stuff. I see the PDFs that you have available on your Instagram account, and they are so clear and so useful for any parent. I'd love to hear how you approach people's anxiety or how you encourage them to address their anxiety. Uh, one of the things is, you know, our anxiety is a warning signal. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of clues us into something and let us know. Um, but what happens is we tend to kind of overreact about it, right? Which is a natural response uh, without me too much getting into like the history of, you know, anxiety. But one of the things I go, what is it really teaching you at that time? And so what a lot of us are experiencing is we've been kind of in control of our lives, you know, so to speak. And we really lost that. And so we've had to revamp how we're doing things in life. Like, okay, well, the kids are home or they're back at school and they're being exposed or we're exposed when we're going to the grocery store. And so we had to kind of change things how we do. So one of my first plan of actions is to teach them to relax. Mm. Not saying just relax, but teaching them how to really do it. Because I know people, when they say, yeah, things like, oh, well, just relax. No, not that, but teaching them how to make time for relaxation, right? And so that they can learn to breathe, which you've heard me talk about before. So then when it does come up, they have pretty much a clearer mind to be able to deal with what's coming up. Uh you know feeling overwhelmed right because that's one of the things that I hear a lot I'm just feeling overwhelmed or dealing with the uncertainty because if we're in that hyper arousal state it's hard to kind of think about well what would be the most logical thing to do yes but if we're in more of a relaxed state we can so teaching the moms how to relax how to take some breaks even in the midst of all of this so they can start making more informed decisions Mm -hmm. and not necessarily emotional based decisions but what's going to be best long term and seeing past what's going on right now 
So really tricky because uh, especially as a, um, a mom at home, I've been with my kids for 15 years. I've got four kids, two are graduated now. I have had many opportunities to learn a little bit more about myself and mm-hmm. to recognize where my triggers are or where there's certain behaviors that they have that elicit my reaction. And I have learned that I naturally at a base am highly reactive. I come mm-hmm. from a very reactive background and I've had to learn how to be proactive. And mm-hmm. it has been um, a very intense journey over the course of um, 20 years, but I've come to understand that there is always pause and assess myself, like actually look at my feelings and say, what are my feelings? What are the thoughts behind my feelings? That right there has helped me unlock so much of my challenge. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing that you've been doing your work and you've recognized that because a lot of it is that, you know, our feelings. So being able to check in with that and making that connection between our thoughts and our feelings and our actions (laughs) and how they're just all related. So that is, that's good. That is good. Because what you just said was, um, one, I hear you say accept, which is Mm -hmm. really hard to do because there's some part of um, when we get angry, anxious, overwhelmed, we always want to point fingers and blame and say, Mm -hmm. it's because of this, that this other person or this scenario or this thing or this child or whatever is making me feel Mm -hmm. something. And then actually recognizing that, wait, no, pause, take a, take a little self-awareness check and then mm-hmm. say, actually, it's my reaction to that. Usually my thought behind the feeling, you can, you can parse that or dice that and actually look at it ob- objectively if you spend enough time doing this and then say, actually, I have some running narrative or some story behind that feeling. And what is that story? And is it true? And usually the answer is no, it's not true. (laughs) And those are like our core beliefs, right? That running narrative that you're talking about, our core belief. And so one of the things that, you know, how when you talk about the pause method, when I'm teaching my clients to like calm down and to reduce some of the reactivity is we always have two choices. We can be reactive or we can be responsive. But that pause has to be there. So as soon as the situation or event happens, okay, if we can just learn to slow it down just like a millisecond, we can think about what's going to happen next. It's easy when we think about reactivity. And I think about that as if we take some medication or we eat peanut butter and we're allergic, that's reactive. We're going to have allergic reaction, right? Something's going to happen. Throat's going to swell up. Eyes going to get red, you know, break out into hives. But when we're responsive, I think about a long-term treatment like antibiotics or chemo for that matter. It takes a while. You got to keep showing up. You got to keep practicing it. So it's not a rush thing. So when we're being responsive, it's not a rush. So it's okay to take a breath, sit with those feelings, acknowledge what's coming up for you, and then make a decision to respond. So what I've learned in myself, my own story, is that, but I don't want to feel those feelings. I don't want to sit with those feelings. I would like to medicate myself away from them. And my form of medication usually comes in the form of dark chocolate (laughs) or, (laughs) you know, uh, I want to say Netflix, but the truth is I fall asleep very fast. But nonetheless, it can be 15 minutes of Netflix and then I want to fall asleep. So my, my base reactions have, or my my natural go-tos to get rid of those feelings are maybe even to talk to a friend, but to complain about something rather than try to sift through it and figure it out. All those ways are different ways of approaching those uncomfortable feelings 
to try and get rid of them. But the reality I've learned is that I do not have to be consumed by my feelings. They will not overwhelm me if I sit with them on the regular. And exactly the opposite happens when I sit with them and start to parse it a bit and be comfortable with it is I become less affected by it and less overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. So no, that is great, right? Knowing that you can sit with those feelings. And a lot of folks just don't know that yet because we've been used to avoiding via Netflix or maybe chocolate. And those are pretty much in the healthier end of the spectrum or at least more acceptable, let's say that, right? Where some people use other things, but all it does is bury those feelings deep. And then it's almost like we're just stuffing cotton balls in a jar and then we unscrew the jar and all of those things are going to come out. So, you know, one of the things is you get to decide when this happens. Do you want to deal with it today or tomorrow or that surprise day when it's all going to show up when you least expect it, right? And so we do have, when we talk about control and what's out of our control, we have that ability to control when we're going to deal with those feelings. Because the avoidance, there's distractions. So I'm going to move it in another direction. There's distractions, things that can, you know, move us away from it for a minute. But the avoidance, that means we're just really trying to not deal with it at all. I do promote distractions, short, brief distractions when we're having difficult feelings. If it's not a good time, I got to wait till I go home to deal with this. Or I want to save this for my therapist. But the avoidance, long term, that's not going to work. So I really love one of your resources that people can find on Instagram. You have a worry log and you have a worry schedule. And I think those are so useful, such practical tools for people. It would sound almost counterintuitive to say, I'm going to write down all the things I worry about. But why do you have those resources there? What value do they have? Oh, they're so valuable. And one of the main reasons is because of the women that I work with, most of them come are coming in with anxiety. And one of those main symptoms of, especially for generalized anxiety disorder, is worry. That's like number one. And when we talk about worry, there's the worry of finances. There's the worry of family. There's the worry of health. You know, then there's the worry of ourselves, right? And all of those things. And right now, I think what we're going through in this era, it's been really touching on all of them. Usually we might have one or two, but when all of them are being touched, (laughs) that's a whole nother story. And people really need some tools to start to feel some relief. So when they're like, I'm trying to stop the worry, but I cannot. And I'm like, well, let's try scheduling a time for you to worry. No different that we schedule everything else, right? We have to schedule to be on time at work. We schedule our bedtime. You know, we schedule what time we're going to eat. We schedule when we're going to work out. And so we want to schedule our worry. And so the thing about it, and you said that counterintuitive part about it is just like, yeah, it does seem a little different. Like, well, I'm going to schedule my time to worry. Well, we're worrying anyway. So let's give it a time and a place where we're going to worry. And so the hopes is that let's say we're scheduling it when we use the scheduler that we're picking, okay, I'm going to worry. Maybe in the beginning, it might be more often than not. I'm going to worry five days a week at 2 p.m. for three minutes. (laughs) And then maybe next week, we'll reduce it. Maybe I'll just worry Monday, Wednesday, Friday, opposed to all of the days, you know, for two minutes. And then next week, it may be a little less. And then we might cut down the time instead of two minutes, it might be one. And what people realize is when you have that focus worry time, it's really uncomfortable and people really don't like it. And so that's where I come in and also go, well, I guess it's time we have to use our um, coping skills like problem solving, 
Yeah. Relaxation. <laughs> Those relaxation of breathing skills and something else that, you know, we can do that they find helpful, a healthy distraction. So when the worry shows up. And the great thing about with the worry chart is, or the worry scheduler, is that when the worry pops up, they can say, you're not on schedule right now. You're on schedule at two. So I'll get to you then. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, the first time that I heard this, I actually thought, what? There was someone else that most of the homeschool community knows, Julie Bogart, and she had talked about having a really challenging, um, you know, she was addressing the grief over her marriage that had dissolved. And so she was addressing the grief of how things were changing in her family and it was easy to be consumed by it. So then she decided to schedule it for, I might say this inaccurately, but maybe three or four in the afternoon. And that was when she was supposed to do that. And I remember hearing it and thinking wild to actually schedule your intense emotions and say, I don't have time for that right now. I've got something else to do, but it, I think it helps you do two things. One is to actually keep going in the day. And do some other stuff other than just focusing on that. But when you do actually focus on that, then you're actually able to sit with it, spend time with it, acknowledge it's real, accept that it's real, and then say, why am I worrying? Like, what is the thing under there? Which, it, like we had said, it's not comfortable. But when you do that, you actually can potentially unleash or unlock whatever is really causing that. Yes, it actually allows people to sit with those uncomfortable feelings and peel back the onion on there. Like, okay, what am I really worried about? And really realizing at the end of the day, is it something that I have control over or no control over if I'm just ruminating just to be ruminating, right? And so we can scale back on that and go, well, you know what? That doesn't really need my attention anymore. (laughs) Or that we actually problem solve and create some solutions so we can use it as a more productive time in our worry. Because that's the purpose of a worry is to problem solve. We just don't use it for that. We just end up just thinking about it over and over and over again, which is the rumination, which serves no purpose. Right. Except for maybe like reaffirming those neural networks that are already there and making the potential for us to learn another pattern even more difficult. Because every time we practice doing the thing that's not helpful, it actually makes it harder for our brains to rework things so that we can move in a different direction. And uh, and I know this from personal experience. My natural go-to is to feel um, complainy. I think if, if I hear about something not quite going the right direction, I feel like I just want to complain and that'll make me feel better, but actually it usually makes me feel worse. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And what we focus on that will grow. So if we focus on the complaining, right, or retelling the story or the frustration or what has made us upset, guess what we're going to keep feeling? (laughs) Upset and frustrated opposed to, you know what, maybe I can find the awe in this scenario, in this situation. It it didn't go the way I wanted it to, but you know what, I found one thing. I didn't like the way I tried these new vegetables that I did, but you know what? I like that I did something new. So finding the positive, you know, in those scenarios can help. And then we focus our attention there and that's what will start to grow. And I talked about it with food, but we'll start to use it in bigger situations, bigger things that are kind of a little more difficult to get through. So yes, what we focus on, that's what will grow. Like this new normal thing. I, I, for myself, I say, okay, well, I'm not in control. I know that this actually has given most people that reminder that we're not in control. But then if that be the case, then how do I frame the uncomfortable stuff? And for me right now, I'm holding on to this is all about growth. 
whatever the stuff is below here, below the surface that I'm just, you know, challenged by, that's the stuff that is rising so that I actually have to address it. And so just like the seasons, but where I live, there's distinct seasons. And that's the case in our lives as well. There's distinct seasons. Yes, that is so true. I like that you brought that up because we do have seasons and, you know, right now we're in one (laughs) and with seasons, we have to um, dress appropriately. Right. And so I say that because I equate it to like coping skills. There's going to be different coping skills for different things. Some stuff just not going to work for some situations. Right. Uh, We're going to need just a tad bit more. So no different from in the summer, we might not need as much. And especially when we implement like um, self-care. Yeah. Right. So if you're very into like, you know, being out in an environment, it may be a little nicer for you if you're a summer person. <laughs> so when we talk about, you know, our interventions and our coping skills in the seasons, different things call for, you know, different interventions. Yeah, yeah I actually I really like your 30 day self-care challenge. Would mm-hmm. you um, share a little bit about your focus in that self-care challenge? Yeah. So one thing I've learned is, you know, with women and we grow up, we see it, right. Um, We've kind of put ourselves on the back burner. We're last on the list. And so when I did the self-care challenge, it was really to bring that awareness to like, take care of you. And right now, I don't know if you know, but it is self, you know, self-care awareness month. And so um, it's great to like bring that attention. I probably need to bring it back, but bringing that attention back to taking care of yourself right? Because we dealt, we're taking care of the kids, we're taking care of the home, we're making sure our jobs are okay, or your businesses and all of those things. And it's like, what are little things that you can do each day that can bring that focus back to you? And when I talk about self-care to people, I go, it's not this big radical change that you have to do. It can just be something little. Self-care is not answering the phone. If you don't feel like talking and you're exhausted from the day, it's okay. Self-care might be snuggling on the couch with your children. <laughs> you know, if you feel like you miss them, if you attend to that, if you if you go and do that, that's self-care. I had the best moment with my daughter on Friday, you know, the end of the week. And I was just kind of tired. And I was laying on the couch and we we're watching TV. And I was like, come get on the couch with me. You know, she was like, really? You know, <laughs> and so that was just, I thought that was self-care. It took care of something for me. It took care of something for her. We were able to bond. So you also have a hey sis affirmations. And one of the things that I also help direct homeschool moms is to create an affirmation or a series of affirmations for themselves each morning. I have mine, mine are like at least a book long. (laughs) I, I have a lot and it's a very detailed page, but I say to moms, take this, make it into something that is truly genuine for you. And you have some lovely ones. And I'd love to hear where this came from for you or how does this actually benefit you on your day-to-day and which ones mean the most for you? One of the ones that mean the most to me, I'm going to just stick with, you know, one is moving with courage and confidence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, literally, you know, um, I wrote the book. Well, the book had already with Hey Sis, I had already started writing like Hey Sis letters on my Instagram page and I just used it. I did them every Friday and it was more just kind of like an outlet for myself and just like a collection of what maybe my clients may have been experiencing. So I'll write a sis like Hey Sis in terms of like encouragement. 
mm -hmm. um, and self-reflection of what was going on. And so when I was putting the collection of journals together and I was like, oh, I have to give them affirmations also. And one of the ones, because it was also during this era, the pandemic was like, you know, we got to just keep moving with confidence and courage during this time. We're in uncharted territories trying to figure it out. And so even when I signed the book, you know, when people purchase them, I write, continue to move with courage and confidence. And that's the one that sticks out. So when I'm facing something tough or I'm getting a little nervous about something, I, I, I tune right on into that one. Move with courage and confidence. Be brave, be fearless, move forward, do it. You know, there's something that's more exciting on the other side. So just, you know, stick your chin up and walk straight in and keep it going. Beautiful. Yeah. My intention is always to create these affirmations to remind myself what is true each morning. Mm -hmm. And the reality yeah. is it's not a magic sauce. I don't actually remember some of that stuff throughout the day. But I think if I keep telling myself over and over and over, this is what I value. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is what I'm all about. This is what I want in life. Then I, I'm reminding myself I will come back to it. Yes, exactly. And that's what it's about. And I'm happy that you said it's not the magic sauce. It's not the magic pill, but it's about, once again, what we focus on will grow. Yeah. So if you know that you're reading that in the morning or at, the, at night, or even my daughter, when she picks out the ones that she's going to, you know, focus on that day, it sticks with them. And now she'll go, mom, I don't need to look at it. I already know what it is. I am intelligent. Ooh. I am beautiful. And so when I hear that, I get excited. I'm like, oh, I'm doing something right. I got this. Like I got it together today. And so that's really a plus because she can focus on that during the day when she's you know, running into challenges when I'm not there because now she's physically at school. <laughs> that is so. a beautiful extension of, of what really happens. I've come to accept that more is caught than taught as a parent. And uh, it took me many years because I really just thought I could tell them anything, but don't do what I'm doing or don't engage as I'm engaging. But I've learned that actually I'm more is caught than taught. And so when I share affirmations with them or I do a loving kindness meditation in the morning or we pray or we do myriad of things like that, they might not always see the value in it or be able to write an essay, a persuasive essay, why one should meditate every day but or pray. But at the same time, they're learning these habits and they're watching watching us engage our lives and then they're learning how to do that themselves. That is so true. You make a very important part. Like if, if we want them to do something, we better do it, not just say yeah. it. <laughs> and I know there's this whole quote around it that is just not even popping up, but that it's really it. Parenting is that, you know, because we can say, oh, you need to clean your room. But if we don't clean our room, why would they do it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You need to take a deep breath. But then we're showing them that we're getting worked up every time and we're getting frustrated because I don't know, there's long lines at the grocery store. What are we showing them? So if we want to show them patience, we have to display patience. If we want to show them love, we really have to display that. What does that mean? Well, I fed you and I did this, but you know, it's more than that. We have to spend time with them. We have to read with them. We have to bond. We have to take them on adventures, all of those things. And that is how we, we parent, how we're going to teach them. Mm -hmm. Which for, sure for me is the most genuine challenge is showing up in my home in the way that I want my children to be. And that means mm -hmm. that I have to show up like that. And I can tell you, 
I have not. This is not my, this is not the way that I went into parenting. I went into parenting really probably trying to get something from this lovely experience and then realizing it is not about me, except for maybe me learning a bunch of things. <laughs> it might have been about me for that. But um, the more that I actually show up authentically the way that I'm supposed to show up, the more I see them actually. I guess, manifesting that naturally without me having to try to script it or without me trying to mandate something. It's just more natural for them as they watch me do it. Exactly. And I don't know, you know, maybe for some of your your people who are listening and even for you, a lot of us is we're learning how to parent. Our parents parent us the best way they knew how with the tools and skills that they had for their generation and their age range. And I think parenting just kind of requires something new. You know, it it requires us to be more connected with them, not just, oh, I've cooked you food. I've gotten you clothes. I got you to school. And I think it requires so much more. So we have to think about it just a tad bit more as well. So just wanted to bring that point up too, that it's okay that it's a little challenging because a lot of us don't naturally have those tools. We're learning them as we go. It's like um, on the job training. (laughs) It is definitely on the job training. Absolutely. Yeah. So you actually speak about overthinking. And I think there's a connection here between at least for me, I did read all the parenting books and all the marriage books and all the therapy books, because I knew going into this family thing that I wasn't equipped. So I assumed that I was going to have this figured because I read all the books. And there was some element of overthinking in that. And in reality, um, I do know a lot of parenting and marriage authors, but that didn't necessarily translate into practical skills in my real world. So that was my version of overthinking. But you speak a lot about overthinking. How do you address that with other moms? Yes. So it's funny that you say like reading the books. I did the same thing, you know, um, as a new mom. Um, there's also this level of if you don't know, you kind of use your intuition intuition to figure it out, your natural response. And I think that's kind of, you know, a good thing as well. But when we're overthinking, I usually go back to some of that worry, right? Mm-hmm. And then also uh, one of the tools that I use with them is seeing if we're overthinking, is there any truth to this overthinking that we're doing? Yeah. <laughs> Like, and then how does it benefit you to continue to think about it over and over again? So even with the overthinking, it relates more to some of that worry um, and second guessing ourselves, some self doubt that comes in there, which goes back to, you know, trust yourself in this process. Whether you've read one book, five books or haven't read any books, you still know what is best. You know what it feels like. You see your child's face. You know how you felt when you said what you said and you didn't want to say that. And going back to that, you know, getting like that to that heart center. I think that's pretty helpful. Mm. Yeah, beautiful piece of advice. Really trusting inside here, which means that you're sitting with the feelings again and you're being very aware. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Back to that. Yes. And one of the skills um, that for me, I started journaling when I was about seven. And I think doing that really kept my head above water for many years in childhood and helped me really process what was happening around me. And about the point of, I don't know, grade seven, I started going into these fictional narratives and grappling with really, really interesting stuff for a kid that age, but trying to understand my world as a grade seven kid. And then I gradually moved into creating or writing 
nonfiction narrative or sort of like a memoir to try and process all the things that had happened in childhood. But the one thing that I did the entire time, so I'm saying that I'm a writer, but the entire time is journal, 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 journal. And I think that process has helped actually release so much mess inside and also build on the self-awareness. And you have a journal, a 40-day journal. You've got a seven-day journal journey. Am I saying that right? Um, A challenge, a seven-day journal journey challenge? Oh, I know which one you're talking about. That's your the ritual one. Is that the seven day ritual to develop your rituals? Yes. (laughs) Like there's like several different ones. I'm like, wait a minute. Yes, your journey. So um, that one is for developing your rituals in the morning, like whether that's, you know, writing your journal, your meditation, but really kind of almost get into that point of like, you know, scripting out your day and what you want to happen and spending that time with yourself and being able to slow down and start to do those things. Mm -hmm. But the one that I, you know, I really kind connect with that one helped because I was working with a lot of women who didn't have rituals in the morning right they were just like I just get up and go and I'm like oh my goodness wait a minute there's no time for you in the morning yeah (laughs) and so of course hey sis is part of that as well because that's part of my morning you know journaling writing about what happened and that happens after I do my yoga after I do my meditation after I kind of sit there well I recently stopped coffee so now it's tea well done (laughs) Um, well done And those things are happening because it it balances us. Yeah. You know, and a lot of us feel off balance when we kind of start our day pretty quickly and we're just moving swiftly throughout all the things that we have to do. Um, But it slows us down and it sets the tone. And so I'm really big on teaching, you know, creating your morning ritual and your evening. And I'll share a story with that because, you know, when I hear about women having difficulty sleeping, uh-huh. Right. And I go, well, how does your morning start? What do you do in the morning? And you're like, oh, it's usually the get up and go and just kind of take off. And I was like, well, you know, your sleep routine starts in the morning. How you do your day? What are you going to do? And then when you come home, what time are you going to go to sleep? What time are you going to eat? Are you in bed? Is it dark? You know, we start going through all of these different things on their sleep hygiene that's going to help, but it really starts in that morning. If you're sleeping in every day, if you're pressing snooze over and over again, you're not really getting good sleep, but you're also still sleeping a little later. So it's just like, well, what if you don't press snooze and you just actually get up at that time? Right. You'll probably go to bed a little bit earlier. No, that was really tricky for me for a long time. Even as homeschool mom, I remember my kids bringing me a coffee and saying, mom, do you want to get up? Because I was, I was just tired. And the reason is because at the end of the night, I wanted to stay up because it was my quiet time away from the kids. So how do you address that? Because that is, that's not my, that's not my routine anymore. I've learned. Also, my hormones require me to wake up really early. So it, it works great. I should probably have a baby right now, but I won't. But, you know, way, way in the end of the night. Now I go to bed about nine, something like that. I sound like an old lady. I am an old lady. So I probably go to bed. It makes two of us because I'm in bed at nine as well because I get up about five or six, you know. Yeah, which was unheard of when I had little kids. And Mm -hmm. I was always trying to find that quiet space at the end of the day when no voices were around. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to the the moms that are staying up real late so that they can get their own time? Well, one, I want to high five them for making time for themselves. Sometimes you got to get it where you can. (laughs) So, you know, that's number one. And so people who stay up late, 
they got to do the prep for tomorrow. Now, the people who get up early can do their prep for the day on that day because they get up early. So if they look at it that way, it's okay if you stay up late. Just know that you got to take care of all of that business that needs to be done in the morning when you're up late. And so the folks who get up early, they can take care of it in the morning. So if you're someone who packs lunches or you like to cook and have all of those things prepped, you might stay up late because you can do that by yourself quietly to prep for the next day where someone who gets up early, they might do all those things in the morning when they're up. Like it's not unheard of for me to make dinner in the morning, you know, and already just have that done and put it up. And then all we have to do is warm it up later because I knew that I had time then. Right. So it's okay. There's no wrong or right way to it. It's really about finding what works for you and your rhythm. So I'm really curious where you got your name, Control Shift Balance. <laughs> that's so, Teresa, I literally thought about that. I was like, I know she's going to ask that question. <laughs> that's like the number one question whenever I meet people. So when I started the practice, um, Control Shift Balance Mental Wellness, I really just wanted to, and I still do, just help women, professional women, um, balancing their lives. Like we have so many different roles, so many different things that we do. And so I literally thought about being on the computer and you know how you press, you know, control, um, off, shift, delete, whichever ones it is. And so that's how I came up with Control Shift Balance. That's literally it. So I was like, oh, so if they're frustrated or they're trying to figure it out, if they just press control shift balance on the computer it literally puts them in balance but we know that's not the reality it's not that simple I wish that it was but it's not and that's how I came up um, with the name control shift balance that is that's really interesting to me because I named my website capturing the charmed life back in the day when I was subconsciously unaware of why I was choosing that and I've come up with the same idea that that is absolutely my goal and it's not going to always happen. <laughs> so it's yes. very similar. <laughs> exactly. But it's something to strive towards, you know, um, and, exactly. you know, balance is we're moving. <laughs> Sometimes things are like this and like that, but long as we're moving, we're okay. One of the analogies I say is like, um, if you're riding a bike, long as you're moving, the bike is going to, you know, stand up, but it's when we stop. When we stop moving, that the bike is going to fall over. You're going to put your foot down <laughs> to catch yourself. So that's how I look at it. Where is your heart right now for moms? You're seeing a lot more, almost like a vice for everybody, or all of us have this vice of having to deal with our stuff. And, you know, recently I'm noticing that you're focusing more in the anxiety realm, but you, you've been focusing on that for a while too, but that's been the focus mm-hmm. in the last week. And so where are you focusing your energies in helping moms? Right now, just helping them find what their balance looks like, right? And so with that, um, I know everybody has their own idea of that. I try to work right where they are, but I give them like a balance framework that pretty much either every session or some of the sessions that we're working through, and it's usually what I talk about in their consultation is, you know, better time management. How can we take, you know, better control of our time with whatever that might be, like what we were just talking about before with, you know, either if you stay up late, you're prepping for tomorrow. If you get up early, you can prep for that day right then and there. So just having better time management, helping them acknowledge their feelings. Teresa, you seem to, you know, have done a lot of work in that area in a pro, but a lot of folks have not that area of just being vulnerable and sharing their feelings. So getting them to acknowledge their feelings, 
letting go of control, right? Once again, we're in this new era (laughs) and we don't know how long we're going to be in this new era. (laughs) And hopefully one day it'll be an era of the past, Um, but getting them to, you know, let go and also delegate, right? What else can we give to someone else? So even when I think about like homeschooling, it's crossed my mind before, you know, before I was a mom and I go, oh yeah. And I would just get with some of the other moms and we'll like switch the kids around. And to me, that was just an idea of like delegating. And I know that's with some of the programs as well, but it's like, okay, if I'm good at math, I could teach the math. And then if Teresa down the street is good in English, she can do English with the kids. And then if Mary has science. And so we just, you know, that to me, that's an idea of like delegating. If I'm at home all day and then Friday, we're giving the kids a break. Okay. It's okay. If I have someone come in and clean, that's delegating. I don't have to do it all myself or I can ask the kids to do some of it. Right. So that's another way. (laughs) (laughs) The kids don't know this, but I'm hiring a housekeeper when all the kids are gone. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) We'll, We'll do it together until that time. But I, I really love that. Well, I was finishing up with the balance that I was saying. So the L was the letting go of control. And then the A, the next A is aligning with your values. A lot of times, a lot of our discomfort is coming because we're doing things that are not aligned with our values, right? And so we really deep dive into like finding out like, what are your values? What were some of those values you grew up with that just no longer serve you and that that is okay? And so we can move right into that direction. And then the end is for saying no, which is going right back to that, that those boundaries. We don't have to say yes to every committee that's asking us to volunteer, every church event that they have. Huh. See what speaks to you. If it aligns with your values, I know that, you know, you know, organizations might have things that they want you to do, but making sure that you're saying no to things so you can say yes to the things that really matter to you. Yes. And then of course, going back to that compassion of self and expecting possibility, you know, expecting positivity um, in your life. And so those are things that if I wanted to share, if anybody wants to connect something with me, it would be that. And that's what that balance is. And that's what I hope for, you know, women to like tap into daily to just start to, you know, feel some relief and feel good about themselves and prioritizing their self and their emotional, um, their emotional health. When you talk about values and are the things or the activities or the people you're connecting with aligning with the values that are deep inside you, that are truly you, that I think is, that's something we have to go back to all the time. And we're on this growth trajectory that we're actually, our values can shift and we can become a little bit clearer on what our values are. But I've found that that's where I start with homeschool moms is why are you doing what you're doing? What's the reason? Because there's a whole bunch of reasons that sometimes moms sign up for homeschooling that are actually not useful long-term choices. Just because you're trying to avoid something at school, that's not a reason that's going to keep you going through the long term. Or you're trying to um, create a perfect world. That's not a reality and that won't keep you going. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So knowing your why, knowing actually why you're doing what you're doing, is it aligning with your your base value, as you said, I'm yeah. really curious about for your own self, what are your base values and how you're approaching your family or how you're approaching the women that you're working with? Yes. Yeah, so my values, um, definitely it's 
a big emphasis on family and friendship. So um, I'm really big on just like connecting with other women and lifting them up and getting together. So if you say, Hey, Shayla, we're doing, I'm, I'm there for it. Like, I don't even know how to say no to that. <laughs> and my husband would go, I mean, Shayla's going to be there. If you say anything about, helping <laughs> other, you know, and that's just, you know, um, how it is. So I definitely place a lot of value there. Um, one of the other things I place value on is um, independence. Yes. Um, I know that um, for my daughter, I know we were outside in the community earlier this week, I don't know, maybe it was Saturday, because I feel like it was all the kids that were out. And we're talking about chores. And some of the other kids that are in the same age range, they didn't have like chores that they do. And I was like, Oh, yeah, my daughter puts her clothes up. I was like, and she's been putting them in her drawer since she was three. And now she's nine. I was like, she washes her clothes. She knows Friday night. That's the routine. She folds them all day Saturday. I don't care how long it takes. But (laughs) these are her, you know, her thing that she does. And then I'll go through, you know, and just make sure everything's okay. But, and they're like, oh, and everyone just looks surprised. I'm like, y'all, these kids are going to turn into adults one day. (laughs) Yeah. I once had somebody, I had once had somebody tell me when my kids were that age that, but you don't want it to be like child slavery. And I'm like, uh, no, of course not. That's not the goal. That wouldn't be my goal. But I know exactly what you mean um, about that, you know, because some people do have that idea Um, and we're not trying to take away their childhood, but it's like, Hey, I want you to have fun, but I also want to teach you responsibility too, because one day you will be, you know, on your own figuring things out. And I want you to have those tools. So you learning to do your clothes so you're not watching television that day or you know because I say you have to read a book when you come home from school or I'm asking you to come in here and help me cut up some of the food because we're cooking you're contributing to the family and we're collective and this is what we do here yes love it love it and what we do here is a little bit of gardening we look after the chickens and close up the goats at night it's a it's a different world but it really is a satisfying one and when everybody together it's it is a beautiful life oh I bet oh it sounds relaxing and fun and enjoyable all kind of wrapped into one (laughs) tell me where do we find you online and what resources will or are you able to offer women yeah yeah, so um, online, of course, I think probably the most one that folks kind of hang out is, you know, Instagram. And so that would be um, control shift balance. And the way that I spell control is C-T-R-L and shift balance. Same thing for Facebook. Um, if you want to check out my website and see what my offerings are, um, that is, you know, www.ctrlshiftbalance.com. And those will kind of keep you in the loop of what's going on. Um, every now and then I'm creating courses um, to help, you know, folks, um, you know, kind of navigate things through life. So I have those things going. There's the book that if people want the Hastus journal, which is um, definitely one of my faves because it gives you 40 days to focus on you. Um, but all of those things um, you can get through the website or even just the links and Instagram. So, so do you have any last advice for homeschool moms? I do. I'm going to go right back to how we started is the brace. I'm going to go right back to that. When you feel like you're in the thick of it, number one, just know that you're not alone. Um, you have a great resource. And Teresa, you have a great resource online. Everything is at our fingertips now. We can order any book off of Amazon and it's delivered the next day. <laughs> and we can Google it if it doesn't come here quick enough. So know that you're not alone and remember to breathe continue to be realistic. 
Acceptance doesn't necessarily mean that you agree. Start off with some compassion, right? That same compassion you give to others and then just, you know, walk with expectancy for positivity. And so if they don't know anything else, I think that one would be key in terms of when the days are tough and just love on those babies. We're shaping some humans that's going to rule the world once we're no longer here. (laughs) That is so beautiful. I love that. Every time you say breathe, (laughs) it's a beautiful thing. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much for joining me today. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you and gaining all these tools and resources and ideas and frankly, just meeting a new friend. So thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you, Teresa, for having me. It's been a pleasure. I enjoyed myself. I would love to learn more about who you are. So introduce yourself at the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Instagram page or the Facebook group, the Homeschool Mama Support Group so we can support and encourage each other in our homeschool challenges. While you're there, you can check out my book of homeschool encouragement, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Nurturing the Nurturer. If you're a homeschool mama looking for a mentoring group to gain clarity, confidence, and vision in your homeschool, to create a plan to nurture the nurturer, and be intentional in how you show up in your homeschool, ask me about the Homeschool Mama Retreat or the Capturing the Charmed Homeschool Mentoring Group. All the show notes and links to this episode will be found at www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. Until next time, I hope you and your kids have a charmed week, or if you're having one of those weeks, I hope you can reframe your challenges into your homeschool charms.